0: We individualize training in the pool, so why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Biney of Biney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates erica understands swimming she gets it she's worked with over 20 olympians including the fastest man in the world caleb dressel group discounts are available so go to biney wellness building and get in touch with erica today that's biney b-e-i-n-e Wellnessbuilding.net. All right, here we are mate back for round two russell mark how are you doing good it's been a long time this round one was a while ago it was a while ago i've been doing this podcast for a while now i kind of pinch myself when i when i look back on all the episodes and all the cool people that have come through i'm like man this is crazy that i've been i've had so many uh, incredible coaches and athletes to talk to you know
1: yeah and i mean congratulations to you and the podcast and all the success you've become this awesome voice for other voices in swimming and bringing them to to let everyone know let the community know about which is awesome and i'm so happy for you
0: yeah that's been part of the thing that i'm proud of right like the fact that i have been able to give voice to other people too like and and not just people that come onto my show but like other creators you know people that are like oh, i like what Brett's doing i might do some of that myself and so there's all these you know younger people and some some older people and it's like you see these these little podcasts popping up or these people doing certain things on different social platforms like and and the kind of stem from some of this which is cool you know it's been an inspiration so that that has been good but um since we spoke to you last some things have changed so just give us an update on life man where are you at right now
1: yeah i think a lot of things have changed mm-hmm. um but some things stay the same like swimming mm-hmm. being a yep. part of life yep. and i'm so happy for that yeah since we last talked which was probably in the first year first few months that you were going mm-hmm. and up and running mm-hmm. so whenever that was but yeah in the last year and a half things have definitely changed gears for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm currently with the American Swimming Coaches Association. So ASCA uh, is a big part of my professional life. And I'm so happy for it. Uh, Just under the leadership of Jen Lamont, who Mm -hmm. I think was also on your podcast at one point, but she's a fantastic person and a wonderful leader and just a, yeah, a good, warm hearted person that cares about the community. And Mm -hmm. yeah, and thanks to her, basically, yeah, giving me this opportunity to still serve the community in this awesome way. So I'm with asking, we could talk about that a little bit more, uh, but then also doing a little bit of work with Israeli swimming, thanks to David Marsh. And Mm -hmm. I mean, appreciate all of the athletes and coaches that I've gotten to know over there. And and that keeps me on the world scene and still working with, you know, just kind of, you know, high level athletes. And so many of our, the Israeli athletes did had a fantastic uh nc2as we have a lot of the national team here in the nc2a system and they're doing awesome and we're really looking forward to the next few years and then uh, you know besides Aska and israel just doing a little bit of uh free agent uh (laughs) kind of consulting and working with teams that have reached out and that's been really fun and and you know just last week uh went to uh spent the weekend with Braden holloway and coleman stewart in new Mm. orleans and uh just it's still you know, working with teams and clubs around the country, whether through ASCA or through my travels with Israel or just independent, it just, uh, yeah, keeps things fresh. I want to stay up to date. I want to stay this awesome resource for the community. And I know I have to work hard to do that because things are always changing in swimming. So mm. it's, uh yeah, it's definitely been a very fun journey over the last uh, year and a half, I'd say. And I'm really happy and thankful to the community for welcoming me in this role and yeah it it comes down to the people and uh wanting to stay in this sport and the how awesome this community
0: is it's nice when things kind of free up a little bit like that it's not to say that you were um you know tied down to a job you wouldn't say that because i'm sure you're passionate about your last position as well but it's like when you've got the choice to kind of say well i can go over here and i can do that it's kind of nice you know you've built up enough of a resume now where people know who you are and what you do um and and the whole swimming community in the world um, can use your assets and and use your knowledge so in terms of your own skill set what do you think you're best at what do you do really well So,
1: yeah, it's funny because everyone knows me for technique and video work, I would say. And I would say, yeah, some performance analysis and working with elite level athletes. But I would say, you know, over 20 years at USA Swimming and seeing the junior team athletes go become Olympic medalists um, and being around these teams that they are training in, I would say I'm an expert at culture of high performance and Mm. the development of high performance Mm. and, you know, along with technique. So, I really, you know, want, you know, I've, I've studied the best coaches and how mm-hmm. they are and, and who they are and what they are, what, what are the common qualities? Cause they're not all trained classically to be coaches or trained right. in the science and yet they are fantastic and brilliant connectors of people and storytellers. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would say that that has become kind of my area is yeah. So like Israel brought me in to be mm-hmm. sports science and mm-hmm but they've seen that I can help with their structure and development and yeah. want to, and that for sports science and performance to take place, you have to have a great environment. And so, you know, and that's what I did a lot with USA Swimming and the national team is help formulate kind of where, you know, what this environment looks like. And I always wanted to be a positive part of it because that's what I saw from coaches. It's not just the X's and O's. It's not just the technical stuff. It's connecting with people, it's motivation, it's being everything. You know, for an athlete and helping them, you know, achieve in all the different ways because it's not just always about the swimming.
0: Right, right. Uh, give Give me an update on on the Israeli side, and I'm not I'm not just specifically talking about Israel, but like it could be it could be any country. And I've I've had an opportunity to go down and work with Brazil, right, and, Bra- and the Brazilian team and and uh, and what they do. So I've had some experience with this, but in terms of a country's willingness to bring in a foreigner and say help us you know give us guidance right based on your knowledge and experience how much have israel opened up the doors to you you know how much of it is like yeah do whatever you want here and how much of it is hey, these things are not going to change this is the way it's going to be right like there's got to be a bit of that
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's not very different from working with any coach that have have done it a certain way for a long time. So, you know, with Israel, I do think, like, and my approach has always been, like, show the evidence, make it compelling so that people will be willing to change and want to change Mm. themselves Mm. rather than just change because I want want them to do something specific. Mm. Uh, That's not good enough reason. So, you know, whether it's, um, you know, what meets we're going to or what their stroke looks like, or how someone is coaching a stroke, I have to be able to convince them that that is mm. the way because so they buy in. That's the best way for any mm. kind of change to take place is that obviously the buy-in from, from all parties. So right. I would say that, you know, credit to Israel and credit to just like any other program that has had me in and listened to me or, you know, just heard my perspective. It comes down to just that, yeah, willingness mm-hmm. to have an open mind. And and I don't think they'd bring me in if they didn't have an open mind. And mm. yeah, I would say that it's, um, it is refreshing. I do think David Marsh's, um, you know, kind of involvement has kind of helped prep that for right. me and kind of prep me to be able to make the impact with those athletes. And with so many of those athletes here in the US and with US programs that also, like they're used to getting different perspectives. And I mean, that's what we always strive, to, that's what I always strive to you know teach our younger athletes is that as you get older, you're always gonna hear different perspectives. You know, it used to be just from your coaches, uh, but now you hear from social media and different places. Everybody's an expert and wants to tell you what to do. And you need to be able to filter that and you need to be able to hear things and figure out what works best for you so same with israel i would say yeah it's and thank it's been a really wonderful experience uh for the short time that i've been with them
0: yeah awesome now now back to your work with asca um originally when jennifer reached out to you what was the idea behind the role that you'd play at Asker and how has that developed since you've been there
1: yeah, thanks for asking about that. I mean, I'm really happy about this relationship with Aska and working with them. Uh, you ask what what was the original idea? We had no idea. Um, I've never met Jennifer before. She reached out to me, um, and I'm so thankful for it. And she's just open minded, and I think open mm. to reinventing Aska and this organization right. and bringing new life to it. And so, to for Aska to be working with someone like me who is a specific performance person and has a lot of hands-on uh and wants to stay hands-on and i think that's a a different role that they've ever had so uh it's been awesome basically jen has given me freedom to be able to yeah put the information out that i've compiled over all these 20 years Mm. and repackage it for asca and so yeah all of our uh, stroke courses are redone online. And when mm. I'm giving it live, uh, it's all, all the information that I've compiled up to this point in my head and be able to put out in this way. And one of the coolest things, I think, you know, I never really had a place for my, a lot of my work and the projects that I just did, because I mean, we were, I was doing it for the national team. So, you know, kind of for a very specific purpose. But now, um you know Aska is the home for a lot of my data projects and i've also compiled a video library of stuff that i've seen over the last year mm. and uh so all of that is available to members online to you know with your ASCA membership you can access my data library which is just data projects of you know short course tempos and cycles long course tempos and cycles just to give a guideline and I'm constantly mm. adding to it. So like right now I'm trying to wrap up dolphin kick counts from mm. NC2As and long course races, just so people have a reference to what is happening across the best athletes in terms mm. of, you know, how many kicks people are taking off every wall. Uh, and then, yeah, there's that video library. So this work with Aska just gives me an awesome platform to continue to impact this community on a broad level. I'm so used to working with everybody and there's a whole lot of everybody in ASCA's population of coaches. It's such an international organization too, More, you know, probably equally so an American organization. And so, yeah, just to be able to impact swimming and people, that's what I want to do.
0: Awesome, man. We are at a point in in the history of swimming where we're continuing to get faster we're not we're not slowing down right these athletes i mean we just went through ncaa's for instance and it was just like incredible how fast people are swimming it's we're not getting bigger and stronger as humans but yet we're still across the board getting faster so overall give, give me your overall kind of idea on on why and how we're continuing to get faster in the pool just overall
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, the education and information is so accessible to people. And so people, I mean, just from basic stuff like nutrition and strength and sleep and health, People know how to take care of their bodies. We're seeing better performance in all sports. I'm a huge NBA Hoops fan. So, like, Mm. just seeing, you know, more skill level in all sports from basketball to soccer to hockey to to baseball to swimming. And so I do think a general, like, level of human body and human performance is happening Mm. across a lot of sports. But then in swimming, like, we have just – Great information right. across so many different mediums and sure maybe not all information is great but it's just you have different inputs that were you used to only be able to find if someone came to your town and did a clinic yeah. or uh, you know, like you read a book somewhere, which some books are hard to find too. Mm. So like- well, Or if you heard a
0: whisper of like, this is what Eddie's doing in yeah, yeah, Texas. <laughs>
1: just, yeah, and now it's just so much more accessible and and like obviously mediums like this and your podcast, yeah. just mm. bringing different information. So I think that's a big part of it. Uh, right, just right. the use of video has gotten so much easier over the last 20 years. I mean, when I started using video, we mm. were, you know, I was like trying to put everything in PVC pipe and trying to waterproof things. And now you can put your phone in the water. So it's just- yeah um things information is so much more accessible Mm -hmm. and tools that people can use to be better and yeah over the last 20 years I've definitely seen improvement across the board on technique stuff and that is really cool like that I don't I don't know if I can take even a little bit of credit but it's definitely um you know a lot of the principles that I've been talking about for 20 years are now like I've seen Mm -hmm. more and more over the last 20 years and that's really cool
0: yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. There are more more people doing like the things the things that Eddie's been doing for 40 years, everybody has access to that now through all those different mediums that you said, right? Like everybody's heard Eddie speak now because it's at your fingertips. Everybody sees what Dave Dave Durden's doing at Cal, everybody sees what they're doing at Virginia because they're posting it online every day. So it's like the accessibility of information is just there and I think now you can make the choice of like do I want to try that immediately or, you know, h- how do I want to put this into my program and things like that? So I think what you're seeing uh, across the border, coaches and athletes doing the right things at the right time more frequently, you know, there's just like, that, that's just what they're figuring out, you know, and, um, and you figure it out fast when you go to a meet like NCAAs and you watch people swim you know, and, and maybe you're an incoming freshman, you, you think to yourself, I, I better figure this thing out real quick or I'm going to be sitting on the sideline watching it, you know? So yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And like, I mean, just thinking about different training methods. Yeah. You mm. mentioned but even like Michael Andrew and yeah. USRPT being such a, like, you know, the ability for that to pre- perpetuate the swimming right. environment and our, you know, you know be in our headspace and be able to change and really influence and be a discussion to- topic i think is really healthy for us and right. in terms of our growth as a sport
0: all right let's go a little deeper then you're the stroke master so give me the one hot take on every stroke let's, let's break down from um fly to free and uh, we'll go down the line just give me one hot take on each stroke what are the, what is something that you're seeing that's evolving that's that's special about each stroke now so start with butterfly
1: yeah and with fly i would say i want to see a flatter stroke and that's kind of what i've been talking to coaches about that's been my overarching theme is a stroke that is more forward instead of this big undulating motion and yes we want to see the hips still get up but you can still do that while pressing forward so i don't want to see the head and forehead diving down i want to see the the body pressing forward from waist and hips up and I want to see that your face kind of pressing forward, your chin pressing forward. I don't want to see your chin tucked. Don't want to see the head and the forehead leading the way and diving all the way down to the bottom because that's not the direction you want to go. It's not the most efficient. Mm-hmm. And then when you dive your head all the way down, that is what creates this upward head movement and this verticality. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but this mm-hmm. vertical movement mm-hmm. that, um, you know, everyone sees when they're like, oh, you're lifting your head too much. So I want to see pressing forward. I want to see a flatter stroke generally. That's what you see with someone like Caleb Dressel, Tori Huss, Sarah Schoistrom. All of Mm -hmm. these greats currently are doing just that. And so I think it puts you in a better position to move into your next stroke, to move into the breath, to then also pull really strong. Because if you try to ever pull with your head, you know, way down below you, it's really hard. It's a strain on your shoulder. So I think that's with Fly. That's what I'm trying to do is, is help us move into a direction where we are going away from this big up and down undulating movement.
0: So not only in the body you're talking about flat, but you're you're talking about a flat recovery too, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I want to see like dynamic forward entry and really driving and pressing forward you know like uh in my in my last few years at USA Swimming we did this thing you know with Mitch Dalton that who was the junior team director at the time and is now at the University of Texas with Carol Capitani we did the butterfly revolution where we really did a deep dive in the fly and trying to understand the stroke and the training and yes it's just trying to make things move forward more. And you look at the results that they're having in fly. I think they have a pretty awesome fly group and you see their success from Emma Stickland to Kelly Pash to Olivia Bray to Dakota Luther and like Carol and Mitch doing an awesome job down there mm-hmm. with that. And like, I do think Mitch and Carol are carrying a lot of these principles, you know, training, but also technique into what they're trying to do with those athletes. And uh, it makes me really happy to see. Uh,
0: two things. So the first thing, we We talk a lot about the catch and we know what's going on there. What about the 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 finish of the fly stroke? Where are you seeing people finish their stroke? are they are they pulling up at the hip and coming out or are they extending past the hip still? Yeah, and, you know what's going on?
1: Great question. You know, I think that's really important because I, mean, I wanna see things be moving forward. I wanna see dynamic recovery. And yeah, I wanna see this pushing out the hips. So the first option you said, and I wanna see things slide out around to the side. Mm-hmm. So going from the inside outward, so oh, sweeping out. <laughs> yeah, so, so I should be moving back. <laughs> and uh, it's like, you know, coming inward yep. and sweeping outward. And right. I think that gives you that rounded finish I mean, it's not just one cycle you're going cycle after cycle. So you need to make the cycles be able to flow into each other. Well, and when you finish and extend and get that full, you know, extension with the arms, I think it kind of makes the movement a little disjointed. We all know what a, 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 a tired, hard fly looks like it's a struggle to get the arms over. So rounding out the back and shortening that I'm okay with, I'm okay with seeing, because I want to see a dynamic. Recovery into the entry. And mm. so when you are slow getting your arms around, that makes it that's just, I do think a lot of it has to do with finishing and, and moving your weight and balance too far back from really trying to emphasize that.
0: One of the best fly coaches I ever had the experience of being around was Richard Quick. Richard uh, had a knack for a butterfly and coaching it, the philosophy, the technique. But part of his philosophy, uh back you know 20 25 years ago now coaching misty heim and 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 her uh uh olympic gold medal and things like that but but even beyond that you know jenny thompson and stuff people like that so it's like he had a lot of success but what he was doing in fly which again goes back to this not everybody kind of it was all whispers at the time but it's like he was coaching fly he, he would only coach short distances in practice, right? Like you do 25s and 50s at repeats. He wasn't doing 200s and 400s of fly and monotonous like and, and survival fly. He would cut that out completely, right? So the feeling I'm getting now is that everybody's caught on to that now. And that's kind of the way, the general way that people are coaching fly. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And part of,
1: you know, this, you know, us changing the narrative on fly with the butterfly revolution was really understanding that for so long, we related fly training to, and this no offense, and obviously huge success to how Mary T trained and just like lots of volume and repeat fly. And there are the fittest. Yeah. And people can, there's some people that can do that, but I don't think it really is. That's a hard thing for the majority of people to do. And so, yeah, let's think about how the goat, train fly how michael phelps train fly Mm -hmm. and you know for all the years that i watched him and bob train i never saw a long 200s repeat it was a lot of 50s 75s hundreds repeat 125s Mm -hmm. and just distances that you can manage that can Mm -hmm. also keep your stroke together so understanding that fly doesn't have to be this grueling punishment of a set it can be something and it should be something where people are set up to succeed. And some people can do the long repeats, but most can't. So how do you set them up to race well and hold their stroke together? Well, if they can't do it in practice with those. repeats? Mm,
0: Yeah. And one of the tools that people are using to get that flatter fly now is a lot of snorkel fly correct.
1: Love it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a huge part of it. Like it just teaches a forward stroke. Mm -hmm. um i do think that the thing with snorkel fly it just yeah allows a good head movement that is effective that you're not diving it down obviously and you also don't have to lift it up so you can just kind of keep it neutral so how do you you know allow your head to rise in that way in that natural way also when you don't have the snorkel so Mm -hmm. i love that i think that's that's a really great way
0: awesome all right let's go into the second stroke backstroke what are the things that are Evolving and changing in backstroke. To me, it again, it feels like a flatter stroke than it used to be. It used to be all about kind of rotation. I'm thinking like a Christina Eggerzegi or something like that, where it was just all about you know flow and rotation. Now it seems very flat. And what's going on in backstroke?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, yeah, I think of Eggerzegi, and you can, Mm. you know, the videos Mm. are like the shoulders coming up way high, Mm. and even Mm. some of the Japanese breaststroker. I think Yosuke. Erie also swims with a very narrow stroke mm. and very high shoulders. But yeah, I think generally for the most part, like we are talking a flatter stroke, you're remaining more on your back than you're on your side. You're trying to grab water to the side of the body. So you don't need to reach all the way back behind you. You're trying to be like right here, right mm. under the surface of the water and mm. pushing water back towards your feet. So I think you're trying to catch high. That's what I want to see is a high, shallow catch mm. as high. I'm not lining up my <laughs> arm, right, but like if I'm swimming back this way, like just trying to push water this way with your palm facing towards your feet and your arm high and and your thumbs up towards the surface. And I think that, you know, and I've been on that kind of like trying to focus on the catch for a long time, but I would say the link to link catch to catch from side to side, what I'm trying to get across now is it's all about the finish. So Mm. you, catch high and catch shallow and then Mm -hmm. you finish lower but you finish deeper below your hips and that downward press that downward press of your finish will pop your allows you to rotate away from that so that helps you be able to get up high get the to the next catch and i would say that's Mm. a little bit harder concept but you know if you have people with a late rotation when late you rotate late you you enter Mm -hmm. over your head or you enter with the back of the hand and to fix that and to get to the next catch effectively, you have to be able to rotate away from that finish. So yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a harder concept to grasp and understand, but you know, there was that video floating around after world championships this summer uh, of Thomas Chacon in the flume Mm -hmm. that I think, you know, it's like uh, FINA posted it or sorry, Mm -hmm. world aquatics posted it. (laughs) And um, it was like Thomas Chacon swimming at a very high rate in a flume and you know he was you know going maybe 1.1 tempo a little bit faster than his hundred rhythm and Mm. then they went to the underwater part of the flume and you could still see him finishing below his hips Mm. even at that super high tempo so he's not finishing he's not pulling just straight across and Uh, then lifting out like his mm. hands are still finishing down because he needs at the especially at that Uh, tempo you need to be able to rotate to the other side and be able to hit that catch gotcha gotcha that finish is that vehicle to allow that so I mean, over time, I think my language about this will get a little bit more succinct and a little bit clearer, but I do think that is a big part of the missing link because I think we've done a really nice job focusing on the catch, but how do you jump from catch to catch and be ready and have your body in a good part, good way, like very quickly so that you can be there?
0: Mm. I don't like to pick a particular body type necessarily, but I think each each stroke kind of lends itself to a particular body type. But I always found that backstrokers for whatever reason had like these freaky elbows, like uh, they could always like hyperextend. Do you find that within a lot of great backstrokers?
1: Yeah. I mean, we've seen it a lot because I think a lot, especially a lot of the U S recent, uh, you know, some of our best athletes, like I think, you know, people that come to mind are Kathleen Baker and mm. Reagan Smith. Mm. Uh, so yeah, some of that, like, good you know limb mobility Mm. and you know it it helps it absolutely does just like being able to hyperextend your knees but I do think like you know for every body type like there's still a good technique and and um Mm -hmm. yeah that kind of stuff like having a better range of motion Mm. helps but it's not necessary necessarily to be the be- to be the best swimmer you can be. Uh, there's always a good right. technique that you can go to too. And I think a lot of those athletes, Kathleen Baker, like awesome catch, Reagan Smith, a really nice catch and the arms out to the side. So yeah, I would say yeah, use those physical, natural abilities, but then also you have to layer
0: it on with some good technique too. Right, okay. Let's move on to the toughest stroke for me, breaststroke. It's because I could just never swim it myself. I could never figure out how to m- move things in a coordinated fashion. Um, so it doesn't mean that I don't appreciate the stroke. I just could never figure it out myself, but, uh, and I think you might be even doing a presentation on this at the aska clinic, right?
1: Yeah. So ask a world clinic in September. And yeah, I'm super excited about the event, that event. We could talk about that a little bit more, but I would say generally, yeah. Uh, I've, I've said that I want my keynote, my main stage speech to be about breaststroke uh i just feel like i want to help this country and our community get better at it and understand from my perspective what i've seen and it's just hard i do think yeah like you said like you don't have many breaststroke highly successful breaststroke groups you have a lot of mostly you see breaststroker here and breaststroker there and a yeah, part of that is that it is such a specific event but i do think like you know, I've been very fortunate to have been around two of the best breaststroke groups, I would say, in history between Ray Lose's group in Indiana uh, and with Lily King, Cody Miller, and Annie Laser, and like all the breaststrokers down there. Mm-hmm. And then also Dave Salo at Trojan, mm-hmm. you know, leading into, you know, 2012 and, and 2008 and two, 2012 with Rebecca Sony, Jessica Hardy, Eric Chanteau, um, you know, just so many legends in those breaststroke groups, which you don't see very often. Um, to me, I would say the thing that I've taken away that I want people to be able to, uh, that I think can help us advance is, let's not be afraid of brushstroke tempo. It has always been about length and teaching length, which is important, but to be able to successfully race it, you have to be able to have another gear. You have to be able to be able to get to tempo. All the best brushstrokers, when they get tired at the end of a race, They are tempoing up. You have to be able to do that effectively. You have to be able to train for that and be prepared for that. And so, yeah, like your hundredth stroke, and I I think actually on Josh Prino's, like we've talked about this before with Josh, and and, you know, I heard him say this on your podcast years ago, Mm. uh, was that, yeah, when you are on your, say, 60th, 70th, or 80th breaststroke cycle in a 200, you're not going to have as much strength to be able to glide as effectively as in your first stroke. You have so much power in your first stroke, and you can't replicate that on your 78th stroke. So how do you make up for that? You make up for it with tempo. How do you swim fast with tempo? First of all, like you have to be ready when you are training. When you get to more fatigued in training, be able to get to tempo. More tired you are, be able to use tempo. How do you technically use tempo? It's with faster heels, bringing up your heels faster. It's not speeding up with the arms, which is what everyone does wants to instinctively do because that's what you do with all the other strokes. You put more po- you put more force into the arms. You pull harder. And in breaststroke, what I've seen is that it is about bringing the heels up fast. It isn't about spinning the arms. That's what spinning is. When you see someone spinning, they're just moving the arms, but the tempo and the timing gets thrown off because your heels aren't keeping up. Your kick needs to be able to tempo up. And that is probably the biggest thing. Obviously, you're gliding less. We all know that. You're gliding less when you get to tempo in breaststroke, but you also pick your feet up faster. Those are the two places you technically have to do to hold your timing effectively in breaststroke.
0: In order to get tempo on that, I I thought I was seeing breaststrokers bring up their feet Um less and not as far as they normally would have in the past. So like breaststrokers were bringing their feet all the way up to their butt and then getting this big round kind of kick. So but what I felt like the the breaststrokers the modern day were doing were kind of just kind of coming up halfway, catching and snapping back just to get that tempo. Am I seeing that correctly?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. It's definitely much more of a like back and forth pushing action than it is out and around. Mm -hmm. And I want, like, that is another aspect of what I'm trying to move forward in our community. Even good breaststrokers at the club level, I see moving around quite Mm -hmm. a bit, Mm -hmm. and there's limitations to that. And so, (coughs) sorry. And um, so I do think I'm trying to push more of a back and forth Mm -hmm. kind of pumping and pushing back uh, Mm -hmm. with that breaststroke kick
0: all right vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch add a few vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool go to com. use code bread at checkout and get 10 percent off anything from vasa destro swim towers gain strength in the water with a tower of power save 150 dollars per double swim tower by using code brett b-r-e-t-t at checkout destromachines.com um we saw adam p move the sport of breaststroke swimming forward in in a giant leap and when you looked at adam at the time you're like well that's a freak of nature i mean look look at look at the size of him like there's no way that's anyone anyone's going to be able to compete because he's just a genetic freak it's almost like a usain bolt when you see him on the on the track you're like well you can't run that fast because you're not going to look like him so but but in the in the 100 freestyle we've seen this skinny kid david popovich come along and kind of flip that on its head and take you know all these power athletes these big giant men who are like let's get as big and strong as we can in the gym and swim as fast as we can and he comes along and just rips everybody apart. So uh, could we see that in breaststroke where maybe a, a, a tall skinny kid comes along and, and flips this thing on its head and, and shows us how to swim fast without the muscles that that he has? Yeah, I
1: think absolutely. I mean, even I think we've had some examples of that. We've had Kosuke Kitajima. I mean, he wasn't, and this is no offense to Kosuke, but he's not this big you know, large, super strong guy, or yeah, but he's not the,
0: also going 56 in the 100, yeah,
1: breast yeah. you know, and on the women's side, Lily King, right, Lydia Jacoby, right. who has an awesome kick, Rebecca Sony. Mm-hmm. I mean, their times still hold up, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, especially on the men's 100 brush, you, you see a little bit more, I would say, larger guys doing mm-hmm. it. I do mm-hmm. think people think tempo comes from that. Uh, obviously, like the strength, I think, can help. Uh, and, and you know, sustainability and being able to get to a certain power level. But I, I mean, I'm definitely one to think that, you know, people can still move tempo in a certain way, like, and do it effectively. I mean, um, I think there will be, there can be a renaissance and movement mm-hmm. towards Adam, uh, you know, all credit to him. I think he opened up a lot of people's eyes in terms of what the possibilities are i hate to think that you know it's limited to only this you know big powerful guy right right right. uh you know i'm a believer that you know a lot of people there are people other people that can achieve that too and so yeah i think i come from a technical standpoint and trying to help people teach and learn that way it's interesting like as big as he is i don't see him pulling a lot of water he's still very round in his stroke Mm -hmm. and still very in front of his body and Mm -hmm. it's interesting like i just happen to be um, just on deck at Carmel and at Carmel Swim Club in Indiana, and they have this video kind of looping of yeah. Adam, and then they have this video looping of Reb Sony. And mm-hmm. like the two techniques are so similar, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, we all know Rebecca Sony and her stroke, maybe we don't, but for those that don't, like it was pretty abbreviated up front, not a mm-hmm. very big, full pull, and not a big, full kick, not a kick no. that came up really big. And I would say I see the same thing with PD, and so yeah there's some qualities it's interesting like as big and strong as he is I don't see him like pulling massive amounts of Mm -hmm. water he's just so good at shooting forward and so good at turning whatever speed that he and water that he holds and being able to shoot forward with his hands
0: yeah yeah well maybe a guy like Shimanovich, I mean he he's he's big and tall and maybe maybe he might take it to the next level based on that um all right let's move on to freestyle the the best stroke i think everybody would agree on that um <laughs> i love saying things like that just yeah. everybody you know but um but freestyle what, what's going on in freestyle there there are some a lot of people swimming a lot of women swimming fast like we're seeing 20, po- 20 points in the in the 50 free you know short course yards and stuff like it's just crazy how fast they're going so what's going on
1: yeah, I love it. I mean, I, um, you know, it's been cool the last couple of years to be able to see uh, Popovich and, yeah. and, you know, who I think you've talked about a lot and just see his technique and mechanics. You know, I you know spent a lot of time watching the Aussie women this mm. last year mm. and just, you know, it's obviously you have this, you know, m- younger, different generation besides the Campbell sisters. I mean, it, it, uh, the, the tradition of Australian women's sprint has been so awesome, you know, going back when i first started usa swimming you know in the in the mid-2000s like you have libby trickett and jody henry Henry, yes and you know now and alice mills and then now Mm. you have then you had the campbell sisters and emma mckeon now you see molly o'callahan and shana jack coming back and just like really Mm. like this awesome and you know and with the video that uh that is available just being able to watch them more and seeing you know technically where they are and what they're doing and it's really interesting I would say like it is very similar Popovich stroke like a classic high elbow uh recovery Mm -hmm. uh swinging around the side and you know nice catches up front and nice like it's interesting seeing that you know and I think you've talked about in this podcast and just how the sprint freestyle events like you know like you have yeah you have a Popovich who's doing awesome with technical
0: greatness I would say and, yeah, that makes me happy to see. Why do you think it's come full circle like that? Like, it was almost like we were evolving into this straight arm and everybody is all of a sudden doing straight arm. And it seems like it's swung back around where, like you said, a lot of the Aussie women are swimming kind of that bent arm. I mean, it's a long they've, – they've got length, but definitely got, with a bent arm. And then you've got Popovich coming along. So you got you got um, Kai Winkler, this this young kid coming up, swimming bent. But it's like – uh, and but there's there's also a particular body type. It seems like we're talking about here. They're, they've definitely got uh, range and length. You know, when you when you look at their wingspans and things like that. I mean, the, the Aussie women are all very similar, and 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 these young guys are similar body type. So, is it set up that way for a particular body type to swim that way?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's an awesome topic. I mean, I think. It's the sustainability of the stroke, being able to do 100. Uh, I do think, like, yeah, it takes some sustainability, especially nowadays. Um, you yeah, know, obviously, like, you know, when you coach Caesar, you were 50-100. But we've seen a lot of these people also be able to go 100-200, not so much 50-100 mm. anymore. So it's, like, I do think that maybe the event profiles have changed or moving or shifting a little bit, where the 50 is becoming very specialized and Mm. you know the 100 200 maybe become a little bit more linked maybe Mm -hmm. uh i think that you know we might just see these this group of athletes this generation of athletes be able to go that way obviously you have still someone like emma mckeon that can do a 50 100 and 200 uh and athletes like that and we see obviously see those in the us too and but kai winkler you know he mentioned that like you know he his body type maybe is a hundred two hundred type body mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. um but i think that's really uh yeah that's an interesting point i would say you know i don't know if the aussies have ever come full circle i think they've always been a little bit more especially on the women's side a little right. bit more mm-hmm. of yeah. this classic high recovery i think i heard sure. oh, i forget the name of the the campbell sisters coach like i think mm-hmm. you asked him a question um and apologies for not remembering his name but you asked him a question about high and he and like i think he basically was just like you know what uh like what is high yeah we don't talk about that or we don't talk about straight arm mean. straight arm yeah yeah
0: yeah 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 Yeah, i think you're right yeah i've never really seen the aussies buy into the straight arm side of it uh it it has always been kind of more of an american based thing you're right you know Maybe, maybe it's a college thing too like because it's such a power event at the short course yards it's like it fit really well there and then it it transferred over to the long course pool uh, maybe I just need to come back to coaching and show these these guys how to do it properly as well. You know, I don't know. Man. <laughs>
1: yeah, not... I mean, obviously we've seen yeah great success with people with high elbow, or straight arm too, like a Caleb, and you know Erica Brown comes to mind on the on the women's side and Simone, Caleb's more know. like a
0: hybrid, right? Would you say? Yeah, yeah,
1: his recovery still is pretty high. Yeah, um, still so gets pretty high, but yeah, I would say you know we do probably are seeing a little bit more hybrid. I mean, I think like someone like Ryan held like his straight arm is a little bit more like at an angle, I would say, not so much like really high. Um, But yeah, just, I do think understanding it and being able to utilize it is a very cool tool to be able to, yeah, take advantage of. And so, I don't know, I think like innovation is so good and uh, like so good for the sport and whether we're trying things and they don't work or whether we're trying things and it's something that sticks, like, I think that's how we evolve and that's how we get better. It keeps people interested. Uh, and yeah, that's like, you know, who would have thought that someone like you mentioned Adam before Adam Petey or someone like David Popovich, like there sh- like 10 years ago is what we would be
0: trying to copy. And is I think it's really, really doing anything special though. Like, is he, is he doing anything unique?
1: No, I think he's just technically awesome. Yeah. And like, yeah, maybe not unique, but just the fact that he's seen that kind of success in, You know 100 200 profile mostly 100 profile obviously a a success greater than any in history and um you know with that kind of stroke and uh maybe it is more like it is full circle for the swimming world with someone like alexander popov Mm. who you know was kind of that that way too uh but it's just i don't know i love it it just kind of yeah i would say keeps everything really interesting and uh i I mean it's been a lot of fun to be able to look at you know people like that and and even more now than i was in the past uh and yeah i would say like have a perspective on it and all respect to what's happening around the world like that's very cool
0: let me let me ask you this i'm gonna i'm gonna get your opinion here i'm gonna throw out a name and we'll kind of pick on him a little bit but in in terms of how great he is and how good he could be right like a, a jordan crooks right like he he goes and wins the world short course and now he's transitioning into trying to figure out how to swim at that speed long course, right? And like, that's his next challenge. So where do you see someone like that being able to take what he's good at and transfer it into the long course pool? Because this, this could apply to anybody, right? Like anybody that's good in short course, how then do you transfer it over to long course and become great in that, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. And I mean, I, I have, I don't have a relationship with Jordan, so I'm not definitely don't want to be critical because they're doing awesome work uh, over at Tennessee uh, with Kredich and Josh and Rich over there, and they're just doing like obviously credit to their success and what they've done. And what I see is obviously someone who's awesome underwater and and someone that should utilize that and be able to use that. But it's interesting. Like I I was curious to see like you know what this what the data look like with Jordan. And what it looked like with Caleb for a 50 freestyle or 100 freestyle. And, mm. like, you know, just looking at the races, what I see. And I think, um, you know, someone put out on Twitter, you know, just a comparison of the two. And what I saw was, yeah, um, maybe Jordan was kicking out a little bit further, uh, going a little bit faster with that time underwater, but the, t- but the tempo wasn't the same. And then it didn't hold on as well either. And just again, like, out of my curiosity, like, I wanna understand and deconstruct Mm -hmm. what happens in good swimming and you know i do think like for say someone like him if they want if they feel like they should be better long course maybe it is like getting obviously it's easier said than done these are just the end metrics which would be like um you know getting a faster tempo and being able to hold that more and so Mm -hmm. you know I see Jordan stroke as being pretty high yeah. around here. So maybe there needs to be an adjustment to be able to allow the, the arms to come around a little bit, uh, flow easier around the side. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, like this with no perspective on what they're doing and all respect to them. And again, i not, not even being critical. I, I think they're doing awesome. So it would be interesting because I am definitely interested in that to see like across a lot of people, uh, short course, long course. Like I would say, um, you know, just... That, you know, you look at the data, you look at kind of where you are compared to historically, like other people similar to you that have long course success. And then maybe you see like, okay, where does my data fit in? Do I need to make technical changes to make the data also kind of work together?
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's just finish with this then real quick. Um, Underwater kicking. It seems to me that if you can't do this well at the NCAA level in short distances, you have no chance of winning right? Like it, the only people that are finishing first, second or third are the ones that are using their underwaters as a weapon. And, and it really seems to be like men and women across the board, you know, any distance, any, any distance that's short, any race, any event, the underwaters are just so crucial here. So is that the way it's gone now?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been trending that way for a while, right? Like more people using underwaters it being emphasized at a younger level, and then moving into college with people already having great underwater,s mm. and yeah, obviously you see it on the women's side with you know Kate Douglas, mm. uh, Tori Husk, Claire mm. Curzan, just doing mm. awesome things underwater and having gone into college with those kind of skills, and then on the men's side, yeah, Coleman Stewart, uh, yeah. Caleb Dressel, Jordan Crooks, mm-hmm. like awesome underwater. So I do think like technically there are things that you know, I think can really be helped. And, and
0: Maggie McNeil?
1: Yes, and it's interesting watching, and I, I'm, I'm curious about this, like, you know, Maggie McNeil's, you know, it's interesting. like we talk about, we all know, kind of know what Jordan's kick looks like. It's a lot of motion with the upper body, similar mm. to Coleman Stewart, similar mm. to Caleb Dressel, like a big motion upper mm. body too, where mm. you're going forward and back with the mm. upper body. And and I would say violent movement of the upper body. Violent. And then, yeah. And then on the women's side, someone like Maggie McNeil and Kate Douglas are a lot quieter with the upper body and mm. uh, like, uh, on the on the race club's YouTube page, um, you know, Gary Hall Sr. just put out an awesome video breaking down Maggie McNeil's kick, and he's so different from Jordan Crooks mm. and so different from Caleb Dressel. So, you know, understanding that there are different ways to do it and which is the technique that fits you the best. I mean, I would say, like, yeah, I mean, physically, the Coleman, Jordan, Caleb kind of kicks are probably a little bit more demanding and, and require yeah a little bit more technical coordination too obviously Mm. incredibly effective whereas the Kate and Maggie like also effective in a different way so what is the technique and what is the thing that makes it go and to me I mean they're quiet upper body but they still press a little bit I would say it's just a um kind of quieter like more I would say tighter version of the Jordan Crooks uh, Caleb Dressel Coleman Stewart kicks and yeah I learned a lot from Coleman this weekend this last weekend with Braden and just yeah I mean talking to him he has a very great understanding of what that technique is and um yeah like looking at his uh, you know some of his videos and some of his drills that he utilizes uh, I just put up on the Ask a Video Library. So that's something that people can also access uh, and also an opportunity like he has opportunities where people can work directly with him too. So mm. I do think that there are technical things and I love, yeah, some of the drills that he was doing to utilize that.
0: Now that's the technical side of it. It, it. it doesn't seem to me like we're training by staying underwater for longer periods at slower slower paces. It seems like we're training to do maybe more underwater at shorter distances at higher intensity. Would that be correct?
1: Yeah, I would say, I mean, that's, yeah, there's a, you know, a sustainability to doing it in the last 25 with 200. Right. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, you have to be effective, at, you know, at, at, at a shorter distance too. So I do think like the speed and the intensity that you're doing it for a 50 or hundred is something that you have to replicate in practice. And so hmm. that's probably not at, longer slower distances like you're doing that with speed similar to how we would train the swimming part of it too Mm, yeah awesome
0: well this is great man i love it uh always love picking your brain no doubt about it you are one of the best in the world and there's no there's no doubt in my mind why people want to pick you up to kind of get your thoughts on how to improve their programs or them or themselves individually so um yeah, awesome, man, love chatting with you. Uh, people are gonna be able to find you, obviously, at the at the a website, but the, remind us about the ASCA clinic again.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, we have a bunch of in-person events coming up uh, next week in Indiana, in, uh, in, in Fishers, Indiana, and then the following week in New Mexico, but World Clinic is the big event that's in September in Dallas, and we're doing it a little bit different this year, always trying different things to reach the community. Uh, Yes, we have our staple awesome swim minds coming with Bob Bowman as a confirmed speaker and Ian Murray at Dynamo along with Kathy McKee as Swim Mac who's age group coaching legend and someone that I'm excited to hear from, but then also like bringing in experts from outside the sport this time. And I think that's really helpful to be able to, yeah, how do we grow? It's having other stimulus, other input. So yeah, a couple of great authors in Brad Stolberg, who's the author Mm -hmm. of The Passion Paradox and Peak Performance. Mm -hmm. I think he's been on your podcast maybe. And and then John O'Sullivan, the author of Changing the Game, but then also my favorite, the person I'm looking forward to is Steven Seiler, who's a world renowned physiologist. world-renowned in like cross-country skiing endurance events marathons um, uh, biathlons and triathlons and uh he's a coach himself which is cool and it's not just a scientist he i think yeah i would say like has some really cool ideas about endurance training and i think yeah it can really help i would say give people some ideas and that's what we want to try to do with this world clinic um you know bring you know, reach a lot of people. We had an awesome clinic last year, and my favorite part of last year's we're also bringing back, which is having these an endless pool at the mm. in the venue. Mm. And not only are you hearing talks, but you're seeing people coach and and then seeing it applied. And so I do think, yeah, some actual stroke work in the clinic uh, where you don't have to walk very far to do that, and you don't have to, you know, it's right there, and yeah. it's just awesome community and good vibes and we're really excited about it and uh yeah hope people more people come this year than last year
0: yeah it was a great event i was there last year loved it and um when when does registration open do you know
1: registration's open great. i'm pretty sure <laughs> um, so yeah check it out on um, and uh yeah swimmingcoach.org and okay. that's the ASCA website and um, yeah, you can find me there. I'll be giving a couple talks, so I'm excited about that. Awesome!
0: All right, good stuff, man. Listen, I appreciate this. Good to catch up. Okay.
1: Yes, thank you so much, and and all the best to you. Thanks, man. Take care.
0: Bye. All right, bye. I would like to tell a story of how swim angel fish improved my skills and a major aspect of my life. Okay, and, and you are controlling on the whole time.
1: First of all, when, when I was a small child,
0: when I was like 4 years old, I had a fear of going into water because I was afraid of getting my going, water going in my eyes and also the fear of drowning. No flippers. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to hold Oh yes, the whole time. Let's finish this. Oh, I gotcha. Oh. Good job, Peter. Oh. I've been
1: hanging on the whole time. Was that easy, easy. or hard? Easy. You tell me. Easy. It
0: was. Ima, you're a good Your body. We clothes. Did you see that time, oh. How there was no discussion, and I just grabbed the opportunity in a much better way. We hold on the whole time. And touch and let go. Smile. Can you show me the smile?
1: And when I got
0: to the age of eleven, I wanted to start. I wanted to start developing swimming skills because I noticed that a lot of my friends and peers have are good at swimming. Well, let's show them how we learn. I can now let go the whole way. The whole way. Yeah. So how about you gonna come around and swim the whole way for your first time ever with not me touching? Nice swim, next. Week? Yeah, of course. Oh, you oh,
1: Excuse me, oh. 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 Are you okay, or do you want me to touch you? Touch Last time, whoa, whoa. I
0: swam a full lap without anyone touching me. That is incredible. It is incredible. we all in conclusion. I think I would like to thank Swim Angelfish for doing a great job of helping me develop confidence, bravery, and skill.